Hello and welcome to the Achieve Your Goals podcast, the show that empowers you to wake up to your full potential and achieve your biggest goals and dreams. I am your host, Hal Elrod, and I invite you to join us each week as we share actionable strategies to take your life to the next level, as well as interview world-class experts and entrepreneurs who have achieved extraordinary goals themselves, and we ask them to give you a peek behind the curtain and teach you exactly what you need to do to do the same. Ready? Here we go. Welcome to the Achieve Your Goals podcast. This is your host, Hal Elrod. And uh, today you're going to hear a conversation, real, raw, authentic, with no preparation that I had with Eric Hansen. And Eric Hansen is someone who's become a real inspiration to me. I discovered him in the Miracle Morning Community Facebook group through his daily posts. And today was his 96th consecutive daily post. Now, what makes Eric so inspiring is there's a few things. Number one is knowing his background. I didn't know the details, which you're going to hear his incredible story today. But the high points are he was a drug addict, began his drug addiction at age 12 years old. And I had a mother that was an addict and went from smoking, you know, marijuana every day to snorting cocaine every day to then freebasing cocaine to then smoking meth. He uh, then became homeless, living on the streets. He's been in and out of jail. He's been to prison 10 times. Most recently, he's been out for four months. And while he was in prison, he discovered this podcast. He actually listened to an episode of the podcast. I believe it was 338. He'll talk about it today. And that, he said, completely transformed his outlook on life. And you know that if you follow him in the Miracle Morning community, which I would encourage everybody listening, go over to the Facebook group, the Miracle Morning community. You can actually find it at miraclemorningcommunity.com. It'll just redirect you to Facebook. But go search Eric Hansen, E-R-I-C-H-A-N-S-E-N. Go search Eric Hansen and just read, I would read all of his posts. I mean, it's literally like an inspirational book. But his life, while he has, yes, he has turned it around in many aspects, it's still very challenging. His family, his two daughters who he loves dearly because of how many times he's abandoned them and gone to jail and all of these things, you know, they've kind of cut him out of their life and it breaks his heart. So he doesn't have a relationship with his children that he wants so badly. He is now employed, which is fantastic, but he is living at a halfway house. Uh, his health from all the years of drug use is really difficult and really challenging, yet his quality of life internally, what I've talked about for so many months now, inner freedom is exceptional. He is as happy and grateful as, well, more than most people. And you read his Facebook post and you just sense the authenticity. And he's got a following. I mean, people, you know, hundreds of members of our community are commenting on his post every day, telling him how helpful he is to them, what an inspiration he is to them. And so I, after following Eric in the group and commenting on his post and being inspired by him, I actually reached out. I said, hey, I want to interview you on the Achieve Your Goals podcast. I want to hear your story because I didn't know the story that you're about to hear until today. And especially, and Eric tells it in vivid detail, you really get a picture of how someone could go from, you know, he was very successful before being in prison, before being homeless. How do you go from being successful to being a drug addict and living on the streets? And maybe more importantly, how do you go from being at such a rock bottom where you don't have a dollar, literally a dollar to your name you don't have a residence, you don't have a vehicle, you're addicted to drugs. How do you go from that to now being an inspiration for thousands of other people 
and not to mention turning your own life around. So make sure you listen to the end today. You know, there were certain parts of the story where Eric got in a lot of detail and I thought, well, that's a little more detail than we might need. But ultimately, this podcast as a whole and the way it concludes today, again, to me, it reminds me that no matter what's going on in our lives, we are both responsible and capable of choosing how we experience life. And even when it's difficult, it can still be a miracle. It can still be amazing. We can still be grateful and joyful and present and happy and so on and so forth. And last week I read, actually as part of last week's podcast, How to Be Present in Every Moment, I read one of Eric's posts from the Miracle Morning community, just one that I particularly stood out and inspired me. I'm going to take just a minute right now to read that to you because if you didn't listen last week, I think this is really important to get an idea of what Eric Hansen is like. Usually you think, wow, drug addict, out of prison 10 times. And I think we're all guilty of making judgments about some quote unquote, somebody like that, right? Uh, I don't know that I would trust somebody like that, but I want you to get a glimpse into who Eric Hansen is. So this was his post from August 7th, 21, 2021. It says, day 85, hashtag the miracle morning. Good morning, everyone. It's so quiet out here this morning. During my meditation, I just close my eyes and try out every one of my senses. I slip between all of them, staying fully in the present. The sounds were pretty cool this morning because it was so quiet. Not as much traffic on a Saturday really brought out the birds and the bugs. I really enjoyed this one. I woke up a little crabby, but already I shook that off. I just wanted to take another look at where I am this morning in my life. My life in one way of looking at things is so far from perfect. I'm basically unemployed again due to my health. My health sucks. My family still has pretty much nothing to do with me. And my thoughts drive me crazy on a daily basis. If I choose to look through these lenses of life, I would be depressed all the time and would probably no longer be here posting or damn even clean off drugs anymore. I've learned that how I look at my life is my choice. I choose to look at those issues as my challenges in life, the speed bumps, because there are no roadblocks that I need to slow down the car and go over. What is better in my life? That's what I ask myself when I do my self-inventory. This list is way longer than the other one and really brings out my gratitude when I go over this list. Living on the streets, looking for another illegal come up is no way to live. I will find my way through these issues that I need to get past right now. I know I will. Then what? It will be on to the next issues that overcoming needs will bring on. I'll get past those too. Hal Elrod, without you, none of this awareness would ever have been possible. Thank you. I'm going to make this day great now. That is Eric Hansen, ladies and gentlemen. Now, before you get to hear our conversation, I do want to take just a minute to acknowledge and thank the two sponsors of this podcast. The first is Organifi. And I think it's true. Most of us could use more energy in our day, but caffeine can only do so much, right? You spike, then you crash. And at some point, we need to look at the root causes of our fatigue, not just band-aiding it with caffeine. And it turns out two main factors in low energy are chronic stress and a lack of nutrition. And Organifi creates delicious superfood blends that address both of these problems. They use adaptogenic herbs and mushrooms to help balance cortisol levels associated with stress, and they make it easier to add more nutrients into your day. 
You just mix a scoop of Organifi into water or the plant-based milk of your choice and enjoy a natural boost any time of day. I use their products every day. I do their green juice, their red juice, their protein powder, and so much more. Head over to Organifi.com forward slash Hal. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com forward slash Hal. And uh, use the code HAL, H-A-L, at checkout if you decide to get something and you'll get 15% off your entire order. And then last but not least, I want to thank Self-Publishing School for sponsoring this podcast because people like me and people like you and people like our guest today, Eric Hansen, that have a story to share of overcoming challenges in your life in a way that can help other people overcome their challenges, Self-Publishing School can help you take your goal, your dream, of writing a book and make it a reality. Head to self-publishingschool.com forward slash how. Again, that is self-publishingschool.com forward slash how. And you will learn and get access to resources, everything that you need to turn your dream of writing a book into a reality. And now without further ado, a conversation with one of the newest inspirations in my life and really a mentor. I believe we all can mentor each other through this journey, because we're all, as Ram Dass said, we're all just walking each other home, right? Life is just, we're all just walking each other home. And uh, today, it's my honor to introduce you to someone that's been helping walk me home, so to speak, Mr. Eric Hansen. Eric Hansen, it is, uh, it's great to finally talk to you, man. Oh, it is so, I'm so honored to be here, Hal. Um, yeah. I've seen this day coming since the first podcast I listened to you with you. You know, it literally, I'm just going to go right into it, man. You, you've saved my life. Your community has saved my life. I've tried so many different things in the past to get out of the hole I was in. And it was a pretty muddy hole. Nothing ever worked. You know, I'd try counseling. I would try uh, the step groups. And, um, you know, my mom always pushed the step groups on me because she was 30 years sober through it. So I think I have a head start from a lot of people who might be in my position because of my mother. Yeah. Uh, I hear her voice more every day than I ever have, but I, I give, I give a lot of the credit. I've done a lot of work and I've taken action to apply a lot of what I learned. You can't apply everything, but I've taken action to apply, uh, the things that I feel I need the most. Uh, one of them is awareness into my life between your podcast and the group. I mean, the group is fantastic. I, I just love everybody in there. They lift me up every day. Uh, I found out through my posting I, I, in the morning, Miracle Morning community that I do the same for them. And that is, I know why you do this, Hal. It's just the best feeling in the world. It, it warms my heart every day to read the comments. And um I wouldn't yeah. have it any other way. I'm not going anywhere, guys. <laughs> well, it's incredible, Eric. You've become, you know, you could almost say the unlikely leader of the group because you came there seeking support. And, and just for anybody listening, just for context, we're talking about the Miracle Morning Community Facebook group, right, Eric? That's specifically yes, what you're referring to. Is, you check in there every yes. day. Today was your, where are we, 90? 90, 96. Today's day 96 of you not only doing the Miracle Morning for 96 days in a row, but for you posting in the group every single That's, day. Actually, I think I've posted over, you know, like 105 or something, but I was just posting little things, uh, you know, your little quotes and stuff like that. And I'd get like maybe, you know, 15 likes and I wasn't, <laughs> you know, nobody saw me. And I, I just felt myself at that point slipping backwards. My first post was to hold myself accountable. 
right? Because I felt myself slipping back mm-hmm. and I just didn't want to go back to where I was. I was, I was willing to do anything not to slip back and go back to prison. I've been to prison 10 times. We're not going to make it number 11. That's for sure. Now I, my foundation is pretty thick, but mm. when I posted that first post and everybody jumped in, I, I just felt something. Um, uh, it just increased my feeling towards, uh, you know, your podcast and now this group and all the people that, you know, that live the life that you're, that you've taught us to live through savers. And, um, you don't know, it's, it's never perfect and it's not going to be, but yeah, that was, that was a, that was a big day for me to post that. So what I posted was basically that my day one would start the next day and I was going to ride my bike five miles to the top of Phoenix because I knew this mountain that I climbed to the top of. There's no trail up there either. I hate, that's why I don't, I was going to do it every day, but there's no trail. And on the way down, I was like twisting my ankles and, <laughs> you know, so. I woke up that next morning and my bike had a flat tire after I've told everybody what I'm going to do. Oh, wow. So I thought, no excuses. I took an Uber with my last 10 bucks. That's all I had to my name was $10. And um, I took an Uber out there and I, I climbed that mountain and I took that picture. And that was the beginning of my commitment. And it's pretty cool. It's extraordinary. So I want to go and we'll talk about integrity. Literally your last $10 because you said you gave your word that you were going to climb this mountain. Here's what I want to do today. I want to get to know you. And as we started to, just for anybody listening, in the beginning, I was, I started to ask Eric just a question or two. And, and then I thought, you know what? Stop. Let's hit record. Let's capture all of this. So we don't know each other. We haven't prepared for today. This is going to be as real of a conversation as it can be. And Eric, I'm really coming from a place of inspiration by you and what I've seen that you went from homeless, living on the streets, addicted to drugs, in and out of prison, to now being a light for not only transforming your own life, using you know the Miracle Morning, I know it's a big part of it, and not only transforming your own life, but now being a light for so many others. I read your post every day, and one of your posts, I saw it was like day 10 of your Miracle Morning, and you'd said the previous day's post had over 1,400 reactions, right? 1,400 people plus are being inspired by you. And so I'm really curious personally, and I would guess that for my audience, that I always wonder, you know, you see homeless individuals on the street, whether somebody, you know, I personally tend to try to give whatever I have. My family, we carry, I forgot what you call them, but like bags that each bag is prepared with toothbrush and toothpaste and socks and food and, you know, and just something we can give that adds a little bit of value for folks. And, but I'm always, I am always curious, like, wow, how did that person, and sometimes I'll chat, but how does one become homeless? You know? I think there's certain stigmas in our society around that. It's almost like we discount, and maybe I'm speaking for just myself, but sometimes there's this unconscious like, oh, it's their fault that they're homeless, right? And it may be, it may not be. So anyway, I'm just trying to get to the, I really want to hear your story and I want people to understand how you go from whatever your life was like before to being homeless, addicted to drugs, in and out of prison, to now being an inspiration. So I really just want to capture that journey for people because I think right now people are struggling in a lot of different ways. And I think to hear someone like you that's been, in my mind, you've been through things I've never been through. I've never been homeless. I've never been addicted to drugs. I've never been in prison 10 times. And so for someone that's gone through so much adversity, I am very curious and very inspired to hear your story and how you go from what you've been through to where you are now. So here's where I'd love to start. 
before you became homeless, what was life like? What was your life like? Did you have a career? Where were you living? What was life like? Okay. Um, I won't go way back into my childhood or anything, but I started doing drugs when I was 12 years old and it was just a constant battle. I would have, you know, when I was 17 was the first time my mom, my mom went through rehab when I was 16, Mm. uh, through the program, she never drank again, you know, a day at a time. And at her services, you know, I, I literally for three months, I I listened to your, uh, uh, number 338 freedom from your emotional pain. Mm. I listen to that one constantly because that's the one that's really helped me the most. I'll get more into that later, but I I just want to say real quick, I wrote down every single word of that podcast when I was in prison. Oh, you listened to that from prison. That's how I found you. Oh, you tablets in prison. See, I don't know all that. This that's incredible. I don't don't know that. I'll get into it. Yeah. So let you know where I was at. So 17 years old, my mom basically forced me into rehab she sent me from Chicago up to, to uh, a treatment center in Minnesota that worked with the insurance from her work. She worked for a major airline my whole life. So I mean, I've done a lot of traveling and my mom was great. She didn't really have a lot of money, um, but she made sure that we had the good things up until a certain age when she started drinking heavily. Um, I just had no consequences when I was a teenager, especially. Mm. I ran amok. I did whatever I want. I'd get in trouble. I'd talk her out of being grounded. I mean, it was real easy for me to manipulate her because she would just go to her room and drink. So uh, um, I think that played a big role in me thinking I could get away with the same in society. So anyways, rehab at 17, I started working when I was 17 with my boss. He's the one who actually uh, took me in after rehab because I spent 44 days in a 28-day program. I fought it tooth and nail. I did not want to be there. I didn't want to be sober. And I got out and I stayed sober for 20, 21 months, <laughs> even though I didn't want to. Uh, I hated every minute of it, mm. but I knew it was the right thing. And I've always known since then it was the right thing. I then started getting into harder drugs, cocaine. When I was 19, I started with cocaine. Mm. I blew my nose out, uh, the membrane, everything. Oh, wow. Uh, bled for like eight, gushing blood for like eight hours. It was all bad. And someone said, well, why don't you smoke it? Huh. That day... I was like, oh, you can smoke it? I didn't even know. And he's like, yeah, you can smoke it. So I started freebasing cocaine. And um, that was at what that age? Was just, that was at 19. Okay, 19. So from that day forward, I've had really good stretches in my life because I would destroy everything. I, I, would, I, I always made decent money for, for the times. You know, I was in construction at the time. Um, I ended up hurting my back as a concrete forming laborer. I had a chunk of lumber fall on my back from three stories up as I was bent over hmm. and um, uh, knocked my my lower discs out. And I uh, never had the surgery for that, but uh, it seems to have healed up by now. Um, but anyways, so I got into sales. Okay, Sales is such an, you know, it's an up and down emotionally, especially at first sure. um, business where you'll be on such a high high because you just sold 10 cars in a week. Yeah. I got into, uh, first it was audio video sales. My first six months in audio video sales, which I didn't, and my, my buddy talked me into it. I'm like, there's no way I can go sell. Are you kidding? Talk to the public? No way. I was a burnout. You know, I was the burnout guy smoking weed all the time. Now I'm smoking cocaine and um, I just didn't think I could go sell. Well, my first six months, I won two na- nationwide camcorder contests. Wow. Um, I ended up assistant manager in six months. And within eight months, I had my own store in a brand new mall. Wow. Ran the mall was 
where the mall was 50% open and, um, you know, it was a mall store, uh, audio video. And, um, uh, I was running third in the zone, my, my brand new store with 50% mall open. So they loved me. Well, I ended up, it's just one thing after another in, in my life. And a lot of it's self-inflicted. A lot of it wasn't. I had an assistant manager stealing two or three hours a day for lunch when I wasn't there. And they let me go because I couldn't keep control of my staff. Wow. So, now, and were you freebasing so cocaine was, outside of work during this time? Yeah. I mean, I never used at work. It was my weekend. Sure, at sure. This point, you know, I would spend my whole paycheck. We moved 13 times in like six years because we got evicted so many times. And, hmm. you know, our family stepped in and helped. And eventually they stopped helping, you know. So, you know, you have longer stretches of doing well. But, you know, so I learned a little bit about management and, I ended up losing that job and, and, and I went to this, uh, I didn't go to the streets. I, I just, I started a company, uh, uh, cleaning carpets and I did okay. I paid my bills and, um, but that gave me the freedom to really party. I lived two doors down from a bar. Wow. You know I mean? It was just all bad. It was all bad. It was a really bad stretch for me. That's when I started crying. Mm. So I got divorced in 1993. My ex-wife and I, God bless her. I love her to death still to this day. She's awesome. She's been the kid's rock. Me, it was flight. You know, she was fight. I was flight. And um, even though we both had our responsibility in, in doing the drugs and everything, you know, I give her a lot of credit. She really stuck it out. Never got the kids taken away. We never partied in front of the kids. We didn't, we weren't like that. You know, we always hid it from them. But it's just financially, it's just so easy to spend so much money on cocaine so quickly. Mm. That, you know, you'll spend the rent money the day you get it, the weekend that you get it. Then I got to go back to work. Uh, anyway, so I ended up losing that job. I cleaned carpets for about a year and I ended up in car sales. The team of guys there just, I mean, they taught me. I learned about business. I learned about, you know, so many different things. Car sales is not easy. I ended up making it look easy. I got really good at that. I spent 22 years in that business. And, uh, very frustrating for everybody because I would, I would start working my way up and, and the cocaine would drag me right back down again. Six months, you know, six months later, they're looking to make me a manager. Mm. Um, you know, I should be at this point running a Honda store, making a quarter million a year somewhere, you know, as a GM. And, um, I don't regret that. My journey's taken me to where I am now and I'm in a really wonderful place, but, um, you know, on and off to prison. I'm just going to kind of motivate through this a little bit. On yeah. and off to prison. You know, I've been to prison 10 times, including, I include violations in that because, you know, you're out in society again on parole and you violate your parole. Uh, you go back to prison. That's another time to prison. I've got 16 felony convictions, all for feeding my drug habit hmm. or paying my bills because I fed my drug habit with my money. And, um, a lot of hard, hard lessons. I mean, Cook County Jail is no joke. I've been through there five times. Cook County Jail is what really taught me not to be racist. It taught me not to judge people because and that's where I learned that we all have the same problems. We all have the same families that miss us. We all miss our families. We have children we love and miss. And um, everybody has those same feelings when you're in there. So... Prison has changed a lot for me because I grew up with a dad in the 70s. You know, I was born in 66. Um, things were a lot different than they are now. There was no effort to try to, you know, to fix this problem that we have in the nation and in the world, maybe. But um, I walked into the first place I walked into in Cook County Jail. There was 144 
men on a tier that fit 44. And I was one of three that was white. Hmm. I was terrified going in. And, you know, I, I thought I was going to get beat up every day. And some guys do, but I, it, it all depends on how you carry yourself in there. But um, it's not its not easy. I mean, I've seen people get stabbed in the neck. I've seen, you know, four guys go into a cell and beat someone for two minutes straight because they stole something. I've seen someone get their hand smashed in the inside of a door. I mean, jail and prison is no joke. You have to always be aware of what, you know, what's going on. You can't rack up debts. You can't pay. And you don't disrespect people. If you have an issue with somebody, either you strap it out or, you know, you show respect without cowering. You know, you can't do that. So, yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of ups and downs there. So then I get out in 2000. Let's just move it up to 2015. Yeah. I was in prison for attempting to run 82 pounds of marijuana across an international border. I don't know what I was thinking um, to take on the U.S. government like that. But, um, yeah, they, they got me and um, I got three and a half years. So I spent that in a minimum prison. You know, it was really wasn't rough. I called it prison land compared to what I'm used to. Hmm. And uh, for two years, there were seven of us. Uh, this is when I really started taking action to try to better myself with still some, some failed attempts. However, uh, I'm really proud of myself for this one. Well, I did get my GED in prison. Uh, I joke around. I was the valedictorian of my GED class in prison. <laughs> is that a real thing? You <laughs> really were? Scored in the night. No, no, no. Oh, okay. Because I, I got the <laughs> highest score out of anybody in there, but I... I also scored in the top 95% in the country for all the testing for that week, okay. that month, three months or whatever, however they ran it. So, you know, I'm not a dumb, I'm not a stupid guy by no means. And seven of us were in class that we started on our own, not sanctioned by the prison. We had textbooks, college textbooks sent in, and we taught ourselves business finance and accounting. Okay. Um, I can read a balance sheet. I, I know I can read an income statement. I can tell if a company's in debt or if they're in the black. I, I We got out. We started a company buying and selling companies. This leads to my homelessness right here, just so okay. you know. I'm not just bragging. Sure. And uh, we had a little bit of funding, and we actually took that company public. We made a couple of acquisitions. We took it public and uh, traded on the OTC markets for eight days. And because our contract said we had to be compliant, and get all our filings up to speed and everything uh, with the SEC in a year. Uh, this is what I was told anyways. It took us 15 months. It was a breach of contract. The company that we bought the public shell from took it back. They didn't even let us talk in court. So everything went with it. I had um, you know, a bunch of stock issued to me or it was about to be issued to me as one of the co-founders of the company. Everything went back, all the stock. The acquisitions we made, we lost everything. So the CEO that came in and got us compliant, Christopher James McKenna, just love that guy. He's he's amazing. The guy, what an amazing person. You know, military wounded in action. Uh, didn't make an excuse for that. Continued on with his education. He's got a master's in chemistry. Just an amazing man. I, I love that guy to death. He's mentored me in so many ways. Yeah. And um, we started another company that he had sitting dormant selling cable internet phones, data services, cloud services, merchant services. I built a website. It wasn't the best website, but we just needed something to show the client when we went in to sell our services. Or we were, I wanted to hire 500 people, 10 in each country to do this. And I was getting set up to do that. And he found out that his cancer was back. And um, you know, I was told he had 15 months to live. So we shut that down. After that, I lost my place. Because I had no money coming in now. 
And instead of just getting back up on the horse, I started getting high again. That's when I went to the streets. I just gave up. I could have got back up on the horse and, and got a job and done all that. I just chose I didn't want to do that. Just wanted to, to not have any responsibility for a while. And um, I hated it for the first six months. I hated being on the streets. So, so let me ask you where, so you gave up your place and then what is that transition like? Do you have just your, the clothes on your back? Do you have a sleeping bag? Do you have cardboard? I had a backpack, I had a backpack full of clothes. Okay. I had my tooth, I had my hygiene products and um, I just went and sat by McDonald's and thought about my life and what, you know, what's happening. And, you know, I was upset that Chris was sick again. I mean, there's just so much going on. I thinking about my kids and how I let them down again, because I, I talked up that whole ordeal, you know, it's possible we'll never have to worry about anything again. I'm going to take care of you guys. I, you know, mm. that's, that's something that, that is, it still weighs on me. Even though I'm making progress is I, I let my kids down. That's really, really hard for me. I love my girls to death. Not really in their life so much anymore. They don't trust me. They're starting to again. Yeah. I finally had a meeting with my youngest daughter after I got out this time because we, she wouldn't even talk to me. I mean, she just, she was at her wit's end with me because of the last time I went to prison. You know, we're finally starting to repair that. How old are they now? How old are your girls now? 33 and 32. I have four grandkids. Um, oh, wow. On my youngest daughter's side, I've only seen my one granddaughter once, maybe twice. And uh, my grandson, I've never met yet, but she doesn't want to put them in front of me until, until she sees I'm stable. So sure. I get it. Sure. I, I'm certainly not mad at her. The day that I left, we moved down to Arizona originally in 2001. That's the, how long they've been here. Uh, my ex-wife was working for a company, you know, making 60 grand a year. She was one step below vice president for her division and she was doing very well. Got down here and... um I got out on parole down here. I, I transferred my parole from Illinois and um, on one of the times I went to prison and I started getting high again. So she took my money because when I was in the county jail, I, I got beat up by the cops for smiling and they ruptured my eardrum. It took a year to heal. And, you know, I sued him and got 60 grand for that. So oh, I had wow. the remainder of that money left and she took it and wouldn't give it back to me. So I got mad and left. And that was the last time I saw my girls for 10 years. Wow. So yeah, that, that there's a lot of guilt involved in that, but I'm getting, I'm getting over it. I realize that if I just keep moving forward yeah, and doing the right thing, like I'm doing now, that'll, that'll heal. That's you exactly know, it. You're, daughter, she, yeah. You can't change the past, but you oldest, are doing the right things now. Go ahead. My oldest daughter is, you know, she's always been there cheering me on. I don't know how sincere she is about it, but she makes it seem sincere. I don't really see them that often either. I'd love to see both of them more and, um, you know, start to rebuild this, take some action in that area because, um, I get a little bit of cats in the cradle from her, you know, yeah, let's get together. Let's get together. And then it's, I'm busy, you know? Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you guys are listening, I love you. And I want to, I want to really start repairing everything, you know, I know it's going to take some time, but we can start taking a step. Let's take a step. So, So you're on the streets and this started in 2015? It started in 2015 and I went to prison one time in between there. I had, <laughs> I borrowed some shorts from somebody because mine were, you know, and I, I just needed a cleaner pair of shorts. And um, I was getting my clothes uh, by jumping into recycle bin or donation bins. Mm. That's how I shopped. I never did laundry. I would just go get new clothes out of the, out of the donation bins. 
Mm-hmm. And um, I actually got really good at being homeless up until I started crime again. I can't really get too much into that because some of that could still get me into trouble. Sure. <laughs> um, Where were you sleeping? You know, uh, you know, you mentioned that it started you sitting out by McDonald's thinking about your life and all the pain. And then I'm actually curious that first night that you slept outside, what was that like? Where did you sleep? At first, I, I mean, I didn't really sleep outside that much. I had friends still that would let me crash on their couch. Got it. Or, but I, I couldn't stay there all the time. I couldn't live there. But yeah. I would go over there maybe during the day and hang out. And I mean, one time I slept in a folding chair after being up for like six days straight, Jeez. smoking meth. But now I started smoking. I put cocaine away, and I'm smoking meth now. Mm. And I slept in a folding chair for 18 hours straight. They had to keep checking my pulse because <laughs> I didn't move. I just I needed sleep that bad. So my life since 2015, or I'll say the beginning of 16, has been pretty much, you know, three or four days awake with three to six hours of sleep for the most part. Every once in a while, you get a power sleep in and just running amok, Hmm. running amok. I, I, I started stealing again to support my habit or just to get food or whatever. But, um, yeah, no, it's not an easy life out there. So I don't know. I think about it now. What I think about now compared to being homeless, it's like I had a conversation with some, someone one time. He's like, well, I can't work because of my back. And I said, well, you can work. And he goes, no, I can't. And you know, how dare you say that to me? And he got like mad with me. And I said, well, let me put it to you this way. We all have a choice to work. Every one of us out here, there's some with mental illness that maybe can't. But for the most part, the, 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 the drug addicts could work. We choose not to. And he goes, that's not true. My doctor says I can't work. I said, but you can climb in dumpsters all day and you can recycle shit all day. Oh, excuse my language. Yeah. You can recycle stuff all day. And, um, you know, that's hard work, man. If you just focused your attention and channeled that in the right direction, you could find a job. So there's a, a man with Down syndrome that's been working at McDonald's for five years. If he can hold a job for five years, so can you. Yeah. And he looked at me and he goes, Oh man, you just messed up my head. <laughs> uh, you know, you just woke him up. But it's true. I mean, we could, and and we just, you know, I think a lot of us, uh, you're you're uh, when you're addicted to drugs, you don't want to be. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of guilt. There's a lot of shame. There's a lot of fear. And and instead of fighting that and battling forward, we just, you know, we would give up. We just gave up. I so, didn't want responsibility. So, I didn't want the rent. I didn't want the phone bill. I didn't want the insurance payment. I just didn't want it. So when did things start to turn around for you? Let's transition the story into when and how you discovered the Miracle Morning and how you got off the streets. Okay. The last time I went to prison, I went to help my neighbor. This was in 2019, October of 19. I went to help my neighbor move some stuff out of storage. And he tries burning through the lock, a locker, the latch on one of the units. I didn't know he was going to do this when I went there. Tried burning through one of the uh, into one of, to break into one of the storage units while I was standing by the truck talking to his girlfriend and thinking back, I think she was just distracting me. So when mm-hmm. they got it open, I could help them load the stuff without them having to cut me in. It's how it is, you know. People are always trying to scam me one way or another on the street. So the whole building burned down. He burned the whole building down. <laughs> then they tried to push it on me. Well. Once the story all got out, 14 months later, sitting in the county, I didn't even have court for eight months because of COVID. So I couldn't even tell my side of the story. So you were in county jail for those eight months? I was in county jail for 14 months, Maricopa County Jail, which is, uh, you know, just the food alone will make you never want to go back there, but people still do. 
anyway, so the whole time I was in there, I knew I had to change something about me. I, I, I mean, I really wasn't, I was taking action. I mean, I had, we have tablets in there too. And I spent most of mine either in the law library fighting my case because my attorney wasn't doing anything for me. So I was writing up all my own motions and, and, and stuff like that. I got really good at it. And um, I was on Khan Academy educating myself. Yeah, I'm familiar. My, my daughter and son use Khan Academy for their online education. Uh, yeah. He's just, they're all just so, they put things that are complicated into such simple terms. I loved it. So anyways, that's what I was doing in there. It was pretty much, I was on my tablet all the time, just learning stuff, um, either about the law or, you know, whether it be his, I went through almost everything in Khan Academy. So again, here we are, another attempt in the back of my mind of doing something to not go back to what I did. So anyways, I got to my my settlement conference and I told my side of the story and I didn't have to, you know, as we say on the streets, I didn't have to rat anybody out. I just said, you know, I went there with the intention of helping somebody move. I didn't see anybody start a fire. I didn't see anybody try to break into anything. I just know I wasn't there with that intent to do that. So yeah, I was there. And once I found out what happened, this is where, Your Honor, I have some responsibility in this. I could have said something, but we just don't do that on the streets. You know, we don't rat people out. Yeah. And it turns out, you know, they were trying to rat me out and put it all on me, not rat me out. They were trying to push all of their stuff on me the whole time. So, you know, I think the judge believed me and he gave me a chance. The, the state's attorney came into that conference. He was going to raise my plea from three and a half years because he just got all my felonies back from Illinois. And after hearing me talk, he said, I have to, I have to say, Mr. Hanson, you know, you're, you're very convincing. Whether I believe you or not, that doesn't even matter. He goes, I'll lower your plea today, even though I came to raise it to two and a half years. But that's as low as he would go. They don't like to let somebody who they arrested go because then it looks bad on them. And it looks sure, bad on like they made a mistake. You know, there's a lot of things. There's a lot of things. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of things involved in that. And I get that. And again, this is all part of my responsibility I have to take for my actions in my past. So I told the judge, I said, you know, I take responsibility for where my life is at and putting myself around people like this. What I'm going to do is I'm going to do everything I can. Um, I had already taken like 14 classes and I brought that with me, you know, like counseling stuff they had on the tablet. And I brought a transcript with me because it keeps track of it, everything that you do. And I'm going to continue to try to better myself. And he goes, I said, I'm going to, I, I want to get my bachelor's. I was actually signed up when I got arrested. I signed up with um, the community college, I guess, to get my bachelor's in business. And I had an appointment to set up financial with, with the college when I got arrested on this case. So, so you're in jail, you're pursuing your bachelor's. And was that, did you end up serving the two and a half years? I did. Well, no, I, the judge gave me two. two. <laughs> I signed for two and a half and the, ju- the judge gave me the mitigated sentence. He gave me two. And uh, he said, I believe you're going to you know something about you. I just, it was your energy. I believe everything you said to me because mm. I'm going to go ahead and give you the mitigated sentence, even with all my felonies. So, you know, that goes to say the truth always comes out in court. It usually does anyways. Um, not always, but some people serve a lot of years and they're, they're innocent, but for the most part, the truth always comes out. And I think they saw the truth. I just wasn't there to do that that day. I'm not saying I wasn't doing stuff, but I wasn't there that day to do that. So I told the judge, I said, I'm going to do everything I can to respect the gift you just gave me. I really appreciate it. Mm. And, um, you know, so when I got into prison, this is where the transformation starts. 
I was going to shoot my tablet like 30 days late. They just didn't have enough of them. So, but when I got it, I started listening to, you know, business podcasts because I didn't have a TV. So, you know, pretty much everybody else had a TV. Their family would send them money. How many times can you go and your family send you money? They're not going to keep doing it. So I always have to rough it. I always had to rough it for the last five or you know four or five times to prison. So uh, I had no TV. I'm, I'm listening to business podcasts, you know, uh, side hustles, uh, affiliate marketing, marketing in general, anything to do with business. I was listening. I listened to over 150 podcasts and I was walking with my tablet after I just finished up a podcast and I stopped and I just said it out loud. I said, I said, none of this is ever going to work, Eric. Hmm. You change you. And I think that was my mom. <laughs> I hear my mom's voice more now that she's gone than I ever did when she was alive because it seemed like she was just drilling me as a mom back then. But I hear her voice now more than ever. And, um, you know, I actually stopped and said that out loud. So I went into personal development because I remember seeing that. And when I first saw it, I was like, yeah, personal development, whatever, I'm going to business, you know. So I went into the personal development um, section in my tablet and I saw... Achieve your goals with Hal Elrod. Hmm. And I was like, achieve your goals. Okay. Goals. Everybody talks about goals in marketing. Everybody talks about goals in business. Sounds like a winner for me. And I listened to one podcast and um, just that first podcast, it was like an epiphany for me. I, I knew, I knew right then that my life was going to change. It was, it was that distinct for me. I, I just knew it. You have a way about you. Of just drawing, it drew me in. I'm sure it does thousands of people too. But, uh, and your story is just, um, you know, your struggles are as hard as my struggles, just in a different way. Mm. And everybody's struggles are as hard as my struggles, just in a different way. Sure. We all have those same feelings and we all have to learn how to, you know, manage those feelings and fears and, and all the stuff that goes with it. And you just, like I said, I, there, there was, Freedom from your emotional pain, number 338. I literally wrote down it. Just, I think with the, the, with the, uh, the last five minutes, maybe I, I stopped, but I wrote down every single word because I wanted to remember that, that podcast. I've listened to it like seven or eight times now since I've been out. Wow. And anyone that yeah, wants to listen, so, that's episode 338. So you can go back to talelrud.com forward slash 338 if you want to listen to the episode that Eric is referring to. And it's freedom from your emotional pain. So Eric, so the podcast started, so that was while you were in prison. And then um, fast forward to how did you meet Stephanie Blackbird? Because am I understanding correctly, Stephanie is the one that introduced you to the Miracle Morning, correct? Or was it just through the podcast? It was just through the podcast. I looked it up. Okay. But after that first post, maybe the second one, I don't remember exactly what day. It was back in May. Stephanie approached me on the side and, and she said, Eric, you know, we'd like to come out and take you to dinner and get to know you a little better. Hmm. Wow. I mean, it was like just big, huge open arms. Not that she's big and huge. Don't take that the wrong way, but you know what I mean? Yeah, no, but that's Um, in that you guys are in that live in the same area, correct? We live in the same area. She lives in in Scottsdale. I'm in Phoenix and they drove out. And real quick, Eric, for anybody listening that's not aware, Stephanie Blackbird is the uh, head admin for the Facebook group for the Miracle Morning Community Facebook group. So just to give a little context for everybody listening. So she drove out to have dinner with you. She drove out to have dinner with me. Her and Alan came out and her husband and, uh, you know, they, they took me out to dinner and we sat and talked and we, you know, we hit it off. We, we became friends. And, um, I looked to Stephanie uh, from time to time when I'm 
I'm struggling. And she, she puts me in my place. A, you know, she put me in my place a couple of times. Listen to how you're, listen to what's coming out of your mouth. It's all negative. Mm. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. And that made me more aware of my words. I'll, I'll tell you that, you know, yeah. just uh, talking with Stephanie. So she's helped me with a couple of things. You know, when I first started posting, I would just one long paragraph and, you know, she kind of taught me how to separate that a little so it's easier to read. And I mean, I, I knew how to paragraph. I just wasn't doing it because sure. it was a post. I didn't realize that it was my social media skills, we'll say, were were minimal at best. And um, so, yeah, she's helped me out quite a bit. And uh, what that did, her taking me out to dinner, I mean, okay, it sounds great and all. She took me out to dinner. It made me feel like normal society mm. will accept me back. You know, because I had, it's still, it's still, even to this day, I still have this uh, guilt and shame where I feel like society looks at me different. I don't want that. I want to get past that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the community's helped me a lot with that because there's just some, some rock solid world-class people in there. And then there's people that need my help too, you know, by just my posts. I've made some friends in the group and, and. You know, and I'll always stick my hand out to help somebody. Always, you know, if, if I don't have time, I can get back to them or, you know, whatever. But I usually have time. I, I haven't really been doing much. So anyways, it's just been since I got out, I can say I'm a totally different person than I was when I went in. That, that's for sure. Even from when I got out. And when, how long have you been out? I've been out since April 23rd. Okay. So May, June, July, August. So four months-ish? Four months, Yeah. I get off parole. I had six months of parole, almost exactly. And I get off October 21st. And your miracle morning has been <laughs> so, something that you've done. Is it every single day or just almost every single day? Well, since I started that first post, yeah. it's been every day. I've every single day. Today. And you're at day 96 yeah. consecutive. Wow, it's incredible. Day 96 today. I just posted this morning before the podcast and got my business stuff done that I need to do. You know, just my Facebook uh, stories and all that. Yeah, I mean, things are starting to rock for me. Where are you I'm living now? Hell Rats podcast. <laughs> I'm in Phoenix. I'm in a halfway house still. You're in a halfway house. Okay. Um, yeah. You're in sales again, essentially network marketing. You've got a job again, got a, a business. Yeah. You know, I started out working with Christopher James McKenna. And here's here's the deal with all this. I just wasn't making any money. I, I'm, we were, he's, he's still with us, thank God, and uh, battling his pancreatic cancer. Mm. And um, he offered me a position. Basically, I could set up a Salesforce wherever I wanted to again and sell fiber optic internet, double someone's speed and lower their bill in half, cut their bill in half. And I couldn't sell. I didn't sell one. Huh. Not one. I'm surprised with your sales background. (laughs) I think, well, I figured it out just recently. Shelly Armato, she's in the group. She told me this not long ago. She said, Eric, your computer, your brain is like a computer. What you program into it is, it's like a hard drive. If you say you're broke, you're going to be broke. If you say you can't, you won't. You know, if you say you can't get up in the morning, you're not going to get up in the morning. Yeah. You have to think abundant. You have to think that you can. You have to program that computer, your hard drive, uh, to all positive stuff. And it's really not that hard to do. You just have to change your, your paradigm in which you look at the world. So I started doing that. Um, I left Chris because I was uh, offered an opportunity in network marketing uh, to sell gut health products. Our products are helping. Basically, your leaky gut is they find, they're finding out, you know, recently, the last 20 years, 30 years or whatever, more in the last 10, 
that if you have a leaky gut, which if you eat the standard American diet or, you know, take a lot of medication, ibuprofen, Tylenol, psych meds, it's tearing up the lining in your gut and you leak, you're leaking poison basically into your system, into your bloodstream, mm. and it's affecting your organs. Um, it's the, they're finding out it's, it's the underlying cause to a lot of people's health issues and something about that resonated with me. Another way to, to, to show an impact on the world and um, make somebody's life better. And yeah. that's why I chose this product. And that's why I chose this company. And uh, everybody's jumped right in to help me out. I mean, they've held my hand through some of it, you know, and, and step by step, this is how you do this. It's a lot different than car sales, I'll tell you. And uh, But I'm getting some world-class training through this company and I'm getting it in other places too. I'm, I'm not putting all my eggs in one basket. My friend, Cindy Lee, has just been fantastic. She's helped me set up all my systems and um, is really just going above and beyond to help me. Uh, she loved my story too. And um, she's put a lot of time and effort into helping me. So thank you, Cindy Lee, for that. I'm well on my way. I feel great. I think I'm, I'm past the whole abundance thing and I'm, I'm ready to rock and roll. So I couldn't even imagine my life being where you know, where I'm at right now, even though I still don't have a bank account. It's my attitude. It's the way you've trained my brain, Al, and your podcast and your people to look at life. You, you just like, you can't change it. I say it all the time. Can't yeah. change it. If something happens. Is it really bad? And when, when it's not even that bad things happen to us, it's just things we don't want to happen to us happen to us. Yeah. And you can either right. you choose how you respond, you choose how you interpret it. My awareness is really is the key to all this because I'm very aware on a daily basis of what's going on. I'm constantly evaluating where I'm at. So that's key for me is my awareness. Well, Eric, you to me are the epitome of everything that I try to teach and try to help people become aware of, which is that life is life. And sometimes it's up, sometimes it's down, sometimes it's harder than you could ever imagine. And sometimes it's great. And at the end of the day, the one commonality in your life is you. It's how are you showing up and how are you choosing to experience your life? And Eric, to me, you are the epitome of inner freedom, which is, you know, you decide every day through your awareness and through your intention and using your miracle morning practice to see, you know, in simple terms, see the bright side of life, to focus on all that you have to be grateful for instead of allowing all of what could be overwhelming negativity and mistakes in the past and, and even your current circumstances not being where they could have been, should have been, you wanted them to be, you could let that become your reality and depress you and discourage you. And I am so inspired by you because you choose the life that you're living and everyone listening to this has that power. And I want to invite, if you're listening, I want to invite you to realize that look at Eric's life. Look at the challenges that Eric's faced. And Eric, by the way, what I see in you is just a freaking amazing human being who went through a set of circumstances and was put in an environment with an addicted mom and were introduced to drugs. I'd imagine by your peers at, you know, at 12 years old, your ability to make intelligent, rational decisions with the thought of how it's going to impact the rest of your life is, you know, it's not real developed at that point. And so I see what I see in you is just 
you found a way to persevere through the challenges. And the real Eric to me is who I'm talking to right now. And the real Eric is who people are listening or seeing, reading and inspired by your posts every day in the community is you're an exceptional human being. You have, you know, in high integrity that's been tested and challenged and wavered maybe throughout. But to me, that's who you are. You have integrity, right? You're the guy who Eric Hansen is. You're the guy who told the Miracle Morning community in the Facebook group that you were going to go hike a mountain, woke up to a flat tire, and you have such integrity that you spent your last $10 to take an Uber to get to that mountain and hike it by foot so that you could follow through with what you said you were going to do. So Eric, I honor you, I admire you, I applaud you, and I thank you for your leadership in the Miracle Morning community and your contribution to humanity as a whole just by how you're choosing to show up and how you're choosing to show up for not only yourself, but for other people as well. Thank you, Hal. I really appreciate it. And I appreciate everything. I'm going to continue doing this. I feel like, you know, at this point, I look back at my past and I feel like that that was all just training for what I'm really meant to do. Yeah. You know, the last thing my mom said to me before she passed away, I had to fly back to Arizona. I was on parole back in 2011. She passed away 11, 22 of 11. And the day before she died, I had to fly back. So she said to me, she said, Eric, you know, I have always had your back through all your problems. She had lung cancer and she could barely talk. She was, she was like, Eric, she had to whisper it. And I said, why mom? And we were both crying and she patted on her chest and she said, cause you have a good heart. Mm. So yeah, it's still tough. I miss my mom, but you know what? If she was here, she'd be so proud. I know she sees me, so I know she's proud. And I know she's probably pushing me in the right direction here and there. So God bless her soul. Yeah. Amen, brother. And uh, Eric, I, yeah, I believe you do have a good heart. That's in one simple sentence that is encapsulating everything that I was trying to say, which is you're living from your heart, man. So thank you. Thank you, Hal. Thank you for having me on the show. I, I really, this has been my dream since I first listened to your podcast. And I, I, bit, I didn't realize it was visualization at the time. But every day I'm like, I have to say, I was like, where's Hal? Why does he comment on my stuff? He's never said anything. And somebody said to me, <laughs> he's, just, he's just watching you. He wants to make sure that you're real. because There's a lot of people that come and go in here. But Hal's coming. And, and he said that. And when, after he said that to me, it was Jeff Lindikoff. He said, Hal's watching you. He's coming. Trust me when I say how's coming. And awesome. here, here we are right now. I'm just, I'm thrilled to death. I, I can't believe I'm here. I can believe I'm here. I can believe I'm here. You but can and you can't. I, I know it. I know that's what that's like. Better. Yeah. 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 So thank you. I really appreciate this opportunity. Hopefully somebody can get out of bed today because of this podcast that couldn't before, you know? Yeah. You got it, brother. Thank you. Well, you are welcome. It is a mutual pleasure. And, uh, yeah, we'll uh, keep doing what you're doing and I'll keep doing what I'm doing. We'll keep making a difference in any way that we can. Goal achievers. Hey, my next visualization oh. is to shake your hand. <laughs> all right. All right. Yeah, I'm, all sure, right. I'm sure you'll manifest it. make that it. happen. All right, brother. Well, hey. Yes. If, I have to take an, if I have to take an Uber to you, I will. <laughs> Much love, Eric. I appreciate you, man. And right. uh, we'll talk yep. soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. To learn more about the Achieve Your Goals podcast and to get access to today's show notes, transcript, and exclusive content from Hal Elrod, visit halelrod.com forward slash podcast. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of the Achieve Your Goals podcast. 